0: Hi, friends. Welcome to The Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walk by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. Thanks so much for listening today. My guest today is Chris Decker. Chris is a friend of mine from my time at Texas A&M University. She and her husband, LJ, felt God calling them a few years ago to grow their family through adoption, and man, did God grow their family. They went from zero kids to six kids in less than three years. Chris's story shows how God does so much more than we could ever imagine. We just have to be willing to go along for the ride. I felt her story was especially appropriate considering that November is National Adoption Month. So, without any further delay, here is my interview with Chris Decker. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Thanks.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a school night as we're chatting, and um, I know that as a mom, you've got a lot on your plate. There's a lot going on. You work. There's just a lot. So I just thank you so much that you would carve out some time to tell about your family and how it kind of came together. Of
1: course. It's a fun story to tell <laughs> now, now that I'm on the other side of it. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So uh, for those that might not know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, My name is Chris Decker. I am the mother of six. I am the mother of twins. I am the mother of adopted children. I am um, also a working mother. I am also a homeschool mom. Um, I'm also the mother in a transracial, transracial, I think that's the term family nowadays, Mm -hmm. I always get it wrong. It means we don't all match. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I have a lot of titles, um, but I think, uh, I mean, I'm the daughter, daughter of the King and called to adoption and it's the best ministry that I've ever been involved in. We'll just say that.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Chris, you and I met in college, uh, working with youth impact in college station it was a, a great ministry. It was a really nice um, opportunity to see uh, God at work in so many different ways. And it was an incredible blessing to me. And I'm, I'm so thankful for it. So um, will you tell us a little bit about how you came to know Jesus? Oh, man,
1: I pretty much
0: didn't ever not know Jesus. I grew up <laughs> in a
1: Christian home. Yeah. with, And I went to a Christian school. And quite frankly, Jesus is gravity. It's just I've never had... I'm not going to say I've never doubted, but I've the my doubts have always been about my own salvation, not that he existed. Mm. Um, growing up in that home and with parents with strong faith, um, and i very young, it became my own faith. Um, so I'm, I'm blessed with that background. And so I don't really, I don't have a before and after. <laughs> I yeah. just have a during.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, what a blessing to grow up in a family where oh, yeah. God is such a focus and your parents are always pointing you back to Jesus. That's incredible. Um, You are married, and like you said, you're a mom of six kiddos. So you have talked about how you're a bio mom. You're an adoptive mom. So tell me about what led you and your husband, LJ, to consider adoption.
1: Well, um, so I was insane when I was 18. And the question I asked men on a first date uh, was how many kids they wanted. And then I told them I wanted 12. And I wanted to adopt at least half of them because I didn't want to give birth that many times. So okay. I have <laughs> always wanted to adopt. Um, somehow I didn't scare LJ away with that. His answer was, well, I'm one of nine. Wow. Twelve is a lot, but we could do six and renegotiate. And I said, okay, you didn't <laughs> run away. So I could give this guy a shot. Um, so <laughs> I say that as That's an example awesome. of things. I've just always uh, known adoption was in the cards for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the thought that there are kids without families is just it feels like this is going to be funny to say, but it feels like the easiest ministry. It's not. But yeah. it's just so obvious, like, well, it's just kids that need love. Yeah. Um, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of always knew that was in the cards for me. Um, and then but we did plan on having biological kids first and then adopting afterwards, which is the pretty normal route that people go. Yeah. Um and then my husband and I were married for eight years, and we still hadn't had any kids yet. And mm-hmm. we were we wanted, both wanted a big family. I had come down from the 12 already. Um, <laughs> but we still, we wanted a large family. And here we are eight years married, and there's still no biological kids. And it was kind of like, well, we always thought we'd do bio first and then adopt. We'll just do adopt. And if we only have adopted kids, okay, that's fine. No big deal. Mm-hmm. So we started the process. Um, we also knew we wanted to do foster to adopt. Um, mm-hmm. while I love all adoption, cause in every case a kid is getting a home, I'm yeah. for adoption in general. Uh, the, the fact that there are kids here in our hometown that, that need homes, mm-hmm. um, and my husband's parents did, uh, foster care and then adoption back then it wasn't foster to adopt. You had to pick one or the other. So they had to get relicensed oh, yeah. when they adopted a child, wow. um, because of his background and, and seeing the need of the kids in care. We just knew that that was the route we were going to go. So, we chose to become licensed through a Christian um agency here in town called Arrow
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's I mean, you make it sound like that was like, oh well, this is the next this is the next step. I'm sure there was a lot of uh probably." disappointment along the way and frustration i'm assuming i maybe i'm projecting that on you from other (laughs) people's stories but
1: yeah there was some about fertility issue we had fertility issues Mm -hmm. um but because our plan was always to adopt um i don't think it was as bad as it is for other people because other people kind of have a picture in their head of how they think it's going to go and then then they basically realize it's going not going to go the way it was in their head Mm -hmm. and Ours, it was just like, well, part of it isn't going to go that way, but the other part will still happen. We'll still get to adopt kids because surely they'll let us adopt children. So yeah. um, I, don't, I, I will say it definitely having that always been our focus, um, I don't think our struggle building a family was quite as hard as a lot of other adoptive moms yeah. um, I've talked to.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Um, so your family, how did they feel about all that? Oh, Ah, uh, they were excited. So, like I said, LJ's one of nine kids in his family.
1: Wow, um, and only three are biological. So there's, you know, I'm not going to tell mm-hmm. their story, but uh, so they're used to it. We'll just say, mm-hmm. um, And my side of the family, well, I don't have any adopted siblings. I have two adopted, um well, I have one aunt and one uncle who's adopted on my mom's side. Mm-hmm. So she grew up, um and her mom was a foster mom. And so, uh, the adoption kind of is on both sides of the family. So we didn't, we were blessed that we had very, very supportive family. We didn't know it at the time, but we were going to need all of them. So, you know, <laughs> God gives us what we need before we need it. Yeah. Um, I've, I've talked to people whose, whose family weren't very supportive of it at first and ours was, but I, <laughs> I didn't know it was because I was going to need it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Very
1: bad.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow. What a blessing. Um, so you've made this decision, your family's on board, and then what happens?
1: So we, I did not realize how long the approval process would take. I don't i don't know about others, but for us, it was about a full year. Um, the background checks took really long, just getting all the scheduling done and all that. And you have to get your house ready and comply with these asinine rules. <laughs> and things like you have to have a fire escape plan for a baby, which is silly because <laughs> the baby can't read it. You know, you have to have... You yeah. have to dump out your uh, medicine that has expired in kitty litter and uh-huh. crazy stuff like that. So, which was, I, while I was prepared to adopt, I I was very surprised about how um, silly some of the rules seemed and yeah. just how intrusive it is on your privacy. Like there's people in your house, they get to come tell you how to change things in your house. I mean, uh-huh. it's worth it, obviously, but um, that was probably my first taste in like, oh, this isn't like just a walk in the park. You just sign up and they hand you a baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know what I thought I was getting into. Not at all. So they're coming, they're doing these inspections. And where did it go from there? So we um, the we
1: like to say, the funny thing is, our first day there, they sit you down and they're trying to be very realistic. And they say, if you're here because you have infertility problems... And you want a white baby girl with blonde hair and blue eyes, um, find another agency, go do private adoption. There are there are routes to do that. But if Mm -hmm. you're here to get a kid that looks like you, the kid that's one day old, like this is just isn't the right place for you. That's not what most kids are in the system. Most kids in the system have been, you know, are older or even if they come straight from the hospital, they're most likely not going to match your race. Yeah. Um, that's just not what we have here. And we were mm-hmm. fine with that. Most of LJ's siblings aren't white. Yeah. Um, so we're like, that's fine. Someone in the family is going to match. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but then we get certified on, I think, Ooh, it was like December or something. It was end of December mm-hmm. in 2013. And then January 6th, I think they brought us a baby and she was a blonde hair, blue eyed, white baby girl that looked like LJ. And it was just like, what is this? Like, yeah this doesn't happen. Uh-huh. Um, and they, our agency knew that we wanted to adopt and they try to match families with, um, the right match. And this was without giving too much details. This was a child who this was this mother's fifth child and all other four had been adopted. She didn't seem to need, want to earn them back. So they thought this is a very adoptable child. So uh-huh. we get this beautiful baby girl, perfectly healthy, looks like my husband, um, home from the hospital. And we're told, yeah, she's probably adoptable. And we fell in love. I mean, we've never been parents before, right? It's a brand new baby. You do all the baby things only. I didn't just get birth. So it's even better. Cause like I'm physically capable of taking care of this child and I'm not recovering. So I'm like, yeah, this is great. This is like better than having a regular baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and we fell hardcore. I mean, we, we used our favorite name that we have been saving, you know, for the eight years we've been trying to have kids. Uh-huh. Um, Everyone was excited in the family. It was a first grandchild on both sides. Very exciting. All of that happened. And yeah, there's court visits and that kind of stuff, which is kind of annoying, but you deal with it. But then about, it was right after my birthday, so I know it was mid-April, um, the CPS worker called and she's like, great news. I found a new home for baby. I won't say the name.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we're like, wait, what do you mean great news? A new home? What are you talking about? And she said, well... It tur- she said, we have a fictive kinship placement. And it turns out a second cousin's brother's girlfriend um, mm. wanted the baby. And not getting too much into the details of what it's like to work with CPS, but we'll just say they are financially motivated to find homes that are fictive kinship because they don't have to pay uh, the monthly stipend for those homes. So, and, and in a lot of cases, that's how it should be. It should be a child that goes with someone they know. Um, but for our case, <laughs> it really sucked. Uh, we thought that we knew that being fostered parents, um, we probably wouldn't get to keep every baby that was in our home. But quite frankly, we just didn't think God would take the first one um, to go from not being parents for so many years to suddenly finally being a parent, finally getting to participate in all the parent things that our friends are doing. And they're all had babies, right? Same stage of life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was like, finally. And then four short months later, would be told like, um, we're going to move her. And because we hadn't have her six months yet, we had no legal standing or we couldn't even talk to the judge about it. Like we have no legal standing in court. Oh my gosh. That was, that was really hard. Um, my husband got really mad at God for a little while. And I say a little while you'll see it wasn't actually that long between her and her next placements, but it was the longest couple weeks of our life. Um, that mother's day was really hard because I had been a mom And then I ended up having to have emergency surgery and being in terrible pain that day. So it was just, that is by far the worst day of my life. I can like circle it on a calendar. Mm -hmm. And my struggle during that time, um, because it felt like God, we signed up to do this hard thing and we knew we might not get to keep them all. But like really the first one, like Mm -hmm. that's just cruel. Um, And I knew that God had a plan and I never doubted that God had a plan and that it would bring him glory. But I started doubting that God cared if I felt good or bad about it like okay he's doing what he wants to do for his glory great he doesn't care if it hurts me Um, which is wrong um but that's how it felt at the time Mm -hmm. because like how could God cause let me experience this much pain when I'm trying to do something good
0: yeah
1: um it was really
0: hard that's now, devastating. Like, I just, I can't imagine, but. It, it was,
1: I mean, she, she was our baby girl and we, we still think of her as our first kid, honestly. I mean, you grow, four months of the baby, you grow attached. Mm-hmm. Um, you should grow attached. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was very sudden. It was like a week and a half between the time they said, good news, we found another home and, and she was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back now, you know, you always, you hope later to see how God used things. And I can say, I know how God used this. While um, that was terrible to go through, and I don't wish it on anyone, at the same time, quite frankly, up until then, my life had been pretty easy. I grew up in a middle-class family that loved Jesus. I went to private school, met my husband at college, the first semester in Bible school, in a Bible study. Like mm. you can't, you can't write it much easier. Than that. That's not a lot of trials. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and looking back, I see that uh, by adopting children who'd been in care, and especially children who'd been older in care. They have experienced trauma and they have experienced pain yeah. that you as a parent who grew up in a two parent family can't understand. And this was actually God letting me taste that pain of loss of a family member mm. so that I could empathize with my future kids. That's how I understand it now. Wow. Like I had to feel that. So that way when they're angry and throwing a fit and they, cause they're small and they don't know how to express, like I just mm-hmm. miss my, my parents. Um, I can say, you know I don't exactly understand, but I understand because I miss somebody too. Yeah. And so I can see how God used that. I still not like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but that helps to understand. Um, and then so that all the other thing it is, is it changed, L J and I. Beforehand, they were like, okay, um, you know, you talk to an agency and, so, and this is where it's weird compared to biological children. They're like, Well, what do you what are you interested in? And you're like, Oh, you have to tell them the age. Um, you know if you have do you want a particular particular sex or race it lets you know the more uh specific you are the longer you're gonna wait for kids Mm -hmm. like i said no there are no white blonde hair blue blue eyed baby girls apparently except for the one that we got but anyways (laughs) we had told them we don't care what race we don't care what sex we'd pretty much like under the age of two um and just one kid please we've never done this before yeah so that's why we got what we got well, what's funny is when we did our um, our home study back when we were getting licensed, the lady, she listened to everything. She went through everything at the end. She goes, well, I'm going to license you for three kids, ages five and under. And we we're like, why? We don't we don't need that. <laughs> and she's like, oh, don't worry about it. This this license lasts a long time. And you don't want to have to get relicensed. And then what if you have a kid and they're not adopted and they get older? And then you don't want to have to just just believe me. This is what you guys can handle. Yeah. And we're like. But we get to say no, right? And she's like, "Of course, <laughs> you get to say no." We're like, "Okay, fine. Sign your stupid paper. We don't care." Yeah. Well, we lose Abigail. <laughs> it wasn't her <laughs> biological name, so I can use that. I, it's not. I'm sure it's not what her new family calls her. We yeah. lose Abigail, and um, and we're upset. But God also uses that to shape our hearts. And so now, when they start calling, when they put out notices about kids, we're no longer saying we have to have one baby under the age of two. Mm -hmm. We basically called our agency and said, we were parents. We waited so long. We were parents and now we're not. We want to be parents again. Yeah. All we care about is how adoptable a kid is. Mm -hmm. And I know you can't guarantee that. and No one can. So, you know, if the agency tells you they can, they're lying to you, but um, you can look at a kid's history and, Using their knowledge and their previous experience, kind of guess, and we're like, as long as they're adoptable, we don't care. Um, we're licensed for ages five and under, so they called us and they said, "Uh, we have two little boys. They are five and three. We think they might speak English. Do you want them?" No, that, that was literally it. We're like, "Do we have more?" What do you mean you think they might speak English? Like, uh-huh. aren't they there with you? Can't you yeah. just ask them? Um, but that was that was the amount of information. Um, and we said, well, what's the situation and why I won't give their background. Um, cause that's their story. Yeah. It was extremely adoptable and we're yeah. like, screw it. All right, bring them over. This is yeah. it. This is, what we, this is what we decided. So, um, I can also say that had we not lost Abigail, we would never had said yes to that call. Yeah. Like there's no way with one perfect little beautiful baby girl that we're like, yeah, sure. Bring over two older kids. We, we know what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but, but because we'd been through that heartache, when they called us and they're like, they're really adoptable. We're like, all right, I guess I hope they speak English. <laughs> bring them over. <laughs> how good is and your like, Spanish? Oh, yeah, And the oldest, <laughs> and the, and the oldest might, be, might be autistic. We're like, all right, bring them over. Wow. So that is how we met uh, Danny and Frankie. They came in June mm-hmm. of 2014. So we got them and they were three and five years old.
0: Wow.
1: And so that was a different experience completely Mm -hmm. so we went from like oh look we have this beautiful little baby that looks like us we're at the same life stage as all of our friends to like all of a sudden we have a three and five year old like they're active they do things and they need to like go do things we have to like oh i'm like i have to feed you how do i how do i even cook for kids i've never done this before (laughs) we had this wonderful lady at our church when she found out we got them she literally sent us groceries and it was all kids snacks she's like here so you can like just try things and figure out what they like. I was like, I would never have thought of that. That is such a good idea. That's awesome. Like I've never been a mom really. So, um, so we had, a, we got a three to five year old, um, and it was all kind of beautiful chaos is how I want to describe it at first. Yeah. They didn't know us, we didn't know them. It turns out they do speak English, which we were really excited about because we don't speak Spanish. <laughs> um, they, they are Hispanic yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, the oldest is high functioning autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, But uh, they they'd been through a lot and they were ready for um, a family. So they tell you in all the adoption books um, and most cases they say, like, when a child comes to your home, you have to remember, like, this is probably the worst day of their life. if They've just been taken from their biological family, no matter the circumstances, like that, the tearing of that family unit, that is the worst day of their life. Um, so you need to be sensitive to them. You know, it's okay if they cry, if they don't like you at first, like all these things you read. So I'm, I'm ready to go. It said make cookies because kids like cookies and smell of cookies. So I'm, I've got everything ready and they walk in and my oldest son, who's high functioning autistic walks in first and, and I'm like, hi. And he's like, hi, you got a nice house. And he (laughs) starts going through every room and telling me if he does, or does not, not like everything in my house. And I was like, he doesn't look sad, yeah. <laughs> and and then uh, later, after all the papers were signed and the foster, the agency people left, we were kind of left with them. We're like, okay, we can do this. And I went to use the restroom. Um, and LJ was left with them, and we still were like, "What do they even call us? Because you're not supposed to force them to call you mom and dad, obviously." Yeah. And so we had told them like, "Hey, you can talk call us Mr. LJ and Miss Chris, or mom and dad, or I don't know, Mr. And Mrs. Decker. What do you want to call us? Like uh-huh. a three to five year old, like know what know what they'd prefer." <laughs> um, but I went to the bathroom, and while I was gone. Uh, one of them, I think it was Jenny, just stood up and went to LG and goes, hey, isn't there a mommy in this house? Where'd that mommy go? <laughs> and he's like, uh, there is a mommy in this house. Let's go find her. They came and knocked on the door. And I just remember it because they're like, uh, they want to know where mommy is. I'm like, oh, let me finish peeing and I'll come out there and give them a hug. Oh, my <laughs> so gosh. For That's us, amazing. it was the very, they because of their background, they were ready instantly to bond with us. They were craving parents. Yeah. Um, so like I said, none, a lot of parts of my story don't fit in with the normal adoption. But again, there is no quote unquote normal, right. I guess, when it comes yeah. to foster adoption. Where are
0: those normal adoption situations? Because I haven't <laughs> met somebody with one of them yet. Fair. Fair. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, we went from uh, getting Abigail, losing Abigail, to getting Danny and Frankie, who were three and five. And uh, they tell you about this in the books, but when you live through it, like for some reason you forget what you read. There's a honeymoon phase because kids don't know you (laughs) like they obey instantly Mm -hmm. because you're a stranger and they don't know how you're going to react if you disobey. Mm -hmm. It actually figuring it out later, uh, the first time we disciplined Frankie and Danny didn't come running to watch us and make sure we weren't going to hurt Frankie. I realized, oh, that was a win. Like Danny trusts us enough that we can tell his little brother not to do something and he doesn't have to run over and protect him.
0: Yeah. But
1: at first you're just like, wow, we're awesome parents. Like mm-hmm. they listen to what we say and, and things were going well and we were excited. And so we called our agency and we're like, I think we could do a third. Let's do a third. <laughs> <You> guys are <laughs> was, crazy. Yeah. I, know. I love like it. I said, honeymoon period. We are just high in the fact that we're finally parents again. Um, We used to call them and said, we could do a third, but we'd really, we kind of miss having a baby. Like we have all the baby stuff. I literally have a nursery set up with a crib that we still weren't using. You know, we just had a baby. We enjoyed having a baby. All our friends that had babies were like, we could, you know, if you could do a baby, that'd be great. But just so you know, we're kind of sort of open. Well, our agency, um, they really liked us I think because it feels like every time we told them we were ready, it was like instant kids. I don't know. But so they called us, I want to say one or two days later, about a three month old. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is Gideon. Um, and they brought him over at two in the morning. I remember they were supposed to bring him at like 10. And then we waited and waited and waited and brought him over at two in the morning. And when the boys woke up, we were like, surprise, you have a brother. <laughs> and so oh <laughs> so we that was in August. Um, so that was just two months after we got the first two. And so then we were like, okay, three kids, ages five and under. That's what we're certified for. Done. Instant family. All we have to do is wait till all these suckers are adopted, and we are finished. Like, yay us! Mm-hmm. Um, two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant with twins. So wow. we were like, wait, what? What, God? That funny joke you just pulled. um So we went from no kids in Mother's Day of 2014 to I had five children by Mother's Day of 2015 because the girls came early. So, oh my um, gosh. yeah. What and
0: was then- what was your reaction? I just I want to. I mean, like, I can only imagine when you are. <laughs> We, you know you wanted bio and adopting kids so you I think all of the emotions at once yeah like
1: uh and at the time we didn't know that the adoptions would go through because it's always a chance that they yeah. won't so it was it was shock it was scared like this is a lot of kids yeah <laughs> but it was also kind of quite frankly like well at least these we know we get to keep yeah so we know that a year from now we'll still be parents after we, we did spin through mm-hmm. so kind of the it ran the gamut Um, but yeah, and it it wasn't easy being pregnant with twins with three new, new to your home children. I would not recommend that route
0: for others. Yeah. I don't (laughs) know that many pursue that. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Get get kids placement and then instantly get pregnant with twins. It's a hard thing to (laughs) hit.
0: Wow. And then you had another.
1: Yes. And then like a year and a half (laughs) after the twins are born, gosh, dang it. God just throws some surprises out when I didn't even... I didn't think it would happen. Um, we'll wow. just say. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, but Emma, um, she's number six. And we like to say that people don't realize it, but the sixth baby's the easiest. They just give up before they get there. Because she was, <laughs> God knew I needed an easy baby. Because by the time she came around, when she was born, um, I had uh, two one-year-olds and one two-year-old and then a newborn. Uh, so, oh like everything required four car seats. We had to buy a 15 passenger van just because no minivan could fit us because of the amount of car seats, because you can't buckle them next to each other. So, like, your
0: stroller that
1: you had was amazing. <laughs> I, I have a double decker three kid stroller that no one has ever seen. I had to special order it from Europe. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, our, it's funny because our life went from looking very, I don't know, average, plain vanilla. Um, to extreme other end very quickly. And in all of this, um, we realized after we had three children and then I was pregnant, we're like, okay, someone's going to have to stay home. (laughs) Like this many kids, it's not even worth the cost for daycare for a second person to work. And so um, prayed about it a lot. And, uh, my husband was a lawyer and he really hated it and I loved my job. And so after prayerful consideration, we decided that I would keep working and, and he would stay home with the kids, which is also something else that was never in our original plan. Yeah. Like I was going to be the stay at home mom, like we had we had it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when it came down to it, it just didn't make sense for us. Yeah. And I would say that it. I think specifically for our boys, they need that strong male presence. And so they needed my husband to be the one at home with them more and to see him more. So God, God obviously did what He needed to do, but it, the end result is our family doesn't look like anybody else's. Our family dynamic isn't like anybody else's. Even our other friends who adopt were different because our adopted kids are older. Um, and so it, it's been a, a crazy, a crazy ride. Um, but in it, it's been pretty wonderful to see how how uh, faithful God has been.
0: Yeah. Um. <laughs> That story is just, I I mean, I've, t- I've actually like relayed your story to other people. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, this is the craziest situation. Yeah, like in two years, was it two years altogether? Or two and a half that you two. went from like, you know, after um, Abigail to when yes. Emma was here. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and, you know, when they, re- when they, we love that movie, Instant Family. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Oh, yeah, been- yeah, yeah. yeah. LJ's like, "Haha, they made a someone else because it's based on a true story. Someone yeah. else only got 3 kids one year and they made a movie about it. They're like, where's <laughs> our movie?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. <laughs> I could totally see that happening. So, you have this crazy experience all of this. And what what do you feel like if you had to pick one thing was the most difficult about this this whole process or I guess Um, leading up to the finalization of the adoptions, what do you feel like became like that, that thing that you, maybe you're look back at and you're like, I didn't know if I was going to make it through that.
1: I think I am a type A control freak just by nature. I'm, I'm very much, that's my personality. Um, and I, you know, you know, God's in control, like, you know, in the back of your head, you're like, yeah, God's in control. Um, but you are so when you're so out of control over something else do you get to keep your kids yeah <laughs> you real, you really realize that God's in control mm-hmm. um and when all of a sudden you start having a jillion children that you thought you couldn't have like nothing in our nothing went as planned and so I had to really learn to let go and trust that God's plan was best and you know, if we got to keep the boys, we were supposed to keep the boys. And if something happened, we didn't, then we weren't supposed to. And I think just the uncertainty of that, and it took us two full years to adopt the boys.
0: Wow. Um,
1: the uncertainty of that for so long, it it kept me. I like to say that I'm a I'm a bit of an independent woman. Um, and God just had to put me in an into a situation that required me to be on my knees every day to get through the day, um, and and kind of have learned to live in that in that uh position because um quite frankly even now like six kids it's it's a lot of needs it's a lot of attention it's a lot of like making sure that you remember that this one's working on that with speech so to make her articulate and to make sure you remember that this one's if she doesn't get told to go to the potty then she's going to pee her pants so don't forget to tell her like yeah there's so many little things Mm -hmm. um with six humans running around and especially so close in age and trying to be that intentional parent that, that teaches them and draws them to Christ constantly. It's exhausting. Um, and while I don't have the fear that my kids, my CPS might come and change their mind and take some of my kids away anymore. Yeah. Um, I now have that responsibility of raising them, which yeah. is just as, just as weighty.
0: Yeah, that's I can't, I can't imagine. I'd think about, I have, we have two and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many things going on. And they're really not even that involved in stuff, but I'm like, <laughs> well, let me just take a step back and think that there's people dealing with a whole lot more and we're survi- you're surviving it. You, you know, God's giving you your daily bread. God is sustaining. Yes. And so, I mean, you said you, you've spent a whole lot of time in prayer during this, during this process. What, what else has been support for you?
1: well we're we're lucky enough to have, like I said before, two very supportive sides of the family, and both they both live here in town. Mm-hmm. So not a day, very rarely often does a day go by we don't see a family member. Um, definitely not a week. Um and so we have help from all sorts of people. My sister actually works for a um, for Trinity here in town, and so she teaches two days a week, which means she comes over here the other three days a week. Wow. So we we get her help tutoring our kids because we homeschool, mm-hmm. um, and so just kind of the support of our community and support of our church family has been has been you know. I couldn't do it without them. Like I said, I didn't know it, but I was going to need this huge family network of people just just to help with the amount of things that, like sometimes it's just literally getting places. Well, these kids have games over there and this kid has ninja warrior camp thing over there. And like, there's not enough people to drive them.
0: <laughs> yeah. None of them are close to getting licenses yet. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> they're all going to get them at once. And
1: then oh, my... And my uh, my plan is just to make them share a car and then they'll tattle on each other if they're doing things they shouldn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because then they want the the car. There you go. All right. I like that plan. Um, So you mentioned your church and you mentioned support and maybe is there other adopted families at your church? There are now. Um,
1: We were one of the first few. There were a few when we did it, um, but we didn't and and honestly when it first when we first got the kids you kind of you go in what LJ and i have kind of coined as survival mode Mm -hmm. like you're not pouring out of any you're not unfortunately you're not able to pour into anyone outside of your family at that point you're like i'm we're figuring this out um and so uh we we had friends from church that poured into us during that time which was needed but now that um now that we're kind of out of what we call survival mold mode and, and able to pour into others, um, our church does have a adoption ministry. We do like LG and I, we like to consider ourselves the adoption welcome wagon. Um, mm-hmm. If anyone gets a placement for adoption, we're the person that calls them from the church and sees if they need anything. And we bring them a gift card and a meal because kids, you know, you never know what age you're going to get and what yeah. they might need right away before the, the money comes in from the state. Um, so we, we like to do that. And I, our church just started a support group for moms post-adoption, it's, you know, instead of just during the foster phase, but like, okay, now that you haven't adopted a kid like the rest of your life, yeah. uh, a support group for that as well. Um, but I, I think it's, I'm seeing more and more families in our church adopt, so I'm excited to see like 10, 15 years, how big that will be. Mm-hmm. But we were kind of one of the front runners. So um, while we have very supportive friends, uh, there wasn't really a, a official anything for us at the time.
0: Yeah. Um what else do you think churches I mean you mentioned a gift card and a meal um and having this support bible study group or um or a prayer group to get together to different people that have adopted what what else do you think churches can do to help support those that are considering foster care or adoption
1: Um I think one of the biggest things is connecting the right people so our our church is someone even has a question like, hey, I'm considering foster. I would like to hear more. There's a list of people. We're, we're one of them. I don't think we're the only ones. There's a list of people that are like, go talk to this family. Um, You're going to want to hear their story. You're going to want to gather as many stories as you can. Because like I said, there is no normal. Yeah. But the more stories you gather, you kind of see a thread and you see how God uses this. Um, it is hard though, because you can say, oh, well, get certified to babysit to make it easier. But then every agency requires their own different things to be a babysitter. So yeah. even that it's hard. I've, I know of churches who have, um, if there's like young single women who want to help, they'll pair them with a family and then that family will have them get certified to babysit. So that way they can be a, a babysitter, uh-huh. but especially because you don't even know what age the kid are going to be like, it's yeah. very hard beforehand to prepare. So I think for me, um, I would say it's morally about once they have the placement, not forgetting that this isn't the same thing at first as a normal family unit, meaning the needs aren't the same. Like I said, I had no idea what they like to eat. So bringing over a variety of foods is super helpful. Um, not forgetting that that like checking in on them frequently, basically Mm -hmm. don't treat them like you just, Oh, okay. So-and-so got a new baby. Okay. Put them on the meal train and give them four meals, give them eight meals. And then you're done. No, if it's a placement, especially the older the kids are, you're going to need to check in more often. Um, and they're, because it is hard to, because you have your babysitter has to be certified. You are allowed to bring them to church, and like church counts as certified babysitting. Babysitting, so opportunities where they can bring the kids with them and there's childcare at church actually help a lot because wow. it can be okay. the only way they can get a date night or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, That's awesome. Um, so you you called yourself the adoption welcome wagon. Um, <laughs> you let's say someone comes to you and they're like, Hey, I've heard about foster care adoption. I'm kind of interested, but I don't really know what to expect. Where do you, where would you personally go Like talking to this person from there? Oof.
1: We normally tell them our full story yeah. um, and with, with more de- details than I'm able, unfortunately, to share in a podcast because, it's like I said, it's my kid's story, not necessarily all my story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty open. I think people need to know what to expect. I think if you go into it thinking, like I said, that you're going to go and take a couple courses and then someone's going to hand you a baby, um, then when that's not how it works, you're going to be like, wait, what did I get myself into? And then kind of doubt. I think it's important for you. I, I encourage people to talk to as many um, adoptive families as they can. Like I said, gather all those different stories. And then the other thing I tell people is your agency matters. Um, which agency you go with, don't go with the first Google search. Shop the agencies. Figure out what each one believes and is there for. Because that's who's there to the thick of it with you. And if it's one that's not as experienced or Quite frankly, I I went with a Christian agency because then my um, social worker from my agency would pray with me you know, before the -hmm. judge hearings and stuff. So that's your partner in this. And don't callously just pick one thinking it doesn't really matter. They're just here to give me the paperwork that says I get to be a mom mom or a dad. Um, They're your partner and be picky and make sure you choose the right partner because getting recertified, I've known multiple people who've had to do that and you have to start all over. I mean, it's like six months process all over. And so- that's yeah. kind of, it's an important thing I think most people don't realize.
0: Yeah, I, I I would never have thought to like, you know, tell people too much about that because we, we sort of went the straight adoption route. So, yeah. um, but uh, when you get these, your family, like you said, you, you guys don't match each other or whatever. You go out in public, you get a lot of looks, especially with your double-decker stroller. <laughs> what What is... What are, can you tell us about maybe a funny interaction you had in one of these situations? (laughs) So, Danny, who is Hispanic,
1: has been taken by other Hispanic families multiple times thinking it's their kid. Like, I don't know what it is about (laughs) Danny. What? (laughs) Yes. So, they just grab a kid? we're at the Children's Museum, and Danny's playing in the little fake cop car at the Houston Children's Museum. And I'm standing there, like, a couple feet away, taking a picture of him. And this old man, Hispanic man, walks up, thinking Danny is his grandson, obviously, later I figured that out. Yeah. And just grabs Danny by the hand and starts walking off fast. And I was like, what do I do? This man is taking my child. And this is this has been Danny's mom for maybe two months. Like, this yeah. is very early and my my reaction cuz you don't actually think you just react is i grabbed his other hand and i just said he's mine really loud <laughs> <laughs> and this man like looked looked at me gave me the dirtiest look then looked down and saw Danny's face and like flipped out and like was apologizing profusely. Then he went and saw his grandson who was sitting next to Danny and like grabbed him and like ran off embarrassed. So, oh but God. that's happened like three or four times. And Danny just is like, all right, I guess I'm in this family now. Like he just goes with them. Oh, so like, if I don't run over there and be like, you've got the wrong kid, <laughs> then, then I can't find
0: him. That's a, that's a skill that you have to teach your child that you did not ever expect to have to teach them. Like <laughs> exactly. when somebody is taking you, Don't just be compliant and go with them. Don't just go. (laughs) You need to say no, thank you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Uh, Man. So um, you talked about some, you know, difficult stuff that you went through. And um, I know that you're a pretty positive person. You're very upbeat, especially as you talk about something that I know was not, you know, sunshine and roses. But how do you feel like all of this has changed your view of God? Ah, um, if I'm being honest, one of the biggest things is understanding that
1: God chose to love me when I was yet a sinner, because when you get an adoptive placement, like you may bomb quickly, but when you're pregnant, and I've experienced both when you're pregnant, you have nine months to get used to the idea, you have nine months to feel the baby move inside you. Um, well, hopefully you don't actually feel them 9 months that would be really long. But like, I guess the last 4 months or whatever, you feel the baby move inside you. Yeah. They they hear your voice. They come out, they are soothed by the sound of your voice. They are soothed by your smell. Like you are naturally bonded to that child. That's how God built humans. Um, when you get an adoptive placement, none of that exists and you have to build from scratch, which means you as the adult have to make the conscious decision to attach to that child. And especially if you know that that child might be taken away. The um the number one thing I hear from people is they're like, Oh, I think adoption is great, but I just could never do it. I get too attached foster to adopt. I get yeah. too attached. And they might leave. Oh yeah. And, and it's the answer. Isn't nice. And the answer is yeah, but it's not about you. Yeah. Um, it's about the kids and every kid deserves to have someone weep over them if they leave. Right. Mm-hmm. Every ter- kid deserves to have a parent that's attached to them. Um, so while I get what you're saying and yes, it hurts. And it's the worst thing ever. Um, what it's taught me is really how God chooses us. And we, we don't want like him. We don't want him like we're in our sin. We want to do our own thing. And um, really that the saying, I'm going to intentionally choose you and we are going to be in relationship. It's kind of, it's getting to do that. And obviously not as deep of a level, yeah. um, but it's getting to do that and just say, no, I choose you because I choose you. Not because you deserve it. Not because you even like me. Not because you look like me. Not because you're going to grow up and uh, be the me that never was like, Mm-hmm. I'm just going to choose you because you're you. Um, and quite frankly, you know, depending on the tra- trauma they've been through, even, you know, choose you, even though I know you have these flaws and I know you have this anger issue or whatever it might be. um, mm-hmm. I still choose you and I'm going to fake it till fake it till you make it. You know, I'm going to act like I'm your mom and then one day I'm going to wake up and realize I am your mom, you know. um, So that's what I'd say. That's one of the things that taught me about God is just really understanding, deeply understanding Um, what it's like to choose to love somebody on one sided, if that makes sense.
0: No, it totally does. I think that's, that's really beautiful. Um, There's, (laughs) I don't know, I had a lot of thoughts as you were saying that and um, like a lot of things just coming to mind about, yeah, the conscious decision and how it's every day. It's a daily thing. And God, every day, he doesn't just say like, okay, on whatever you're adoption anniversary or whatever you call it you know this this is the day that i choose you it's like no i choose you and i choose you every day even on the day when you are awful to me and even on the day when you're you're doing great and i'm i'm really just beaming with pride over how you've grown and you know all of those days love you the yeah. same and i think that's that's beautiful that's right. Um, so what's
1: funny is my my because we did the adoptions two years about after yeah which means danny and frankie were seven and five and gideon was uh two
0: mm-hmm.
1: after we did danny and frankie's i believe first yeah and then like it just turned out a couple months later we had gideon's mm-hmm. so we're walking to the car after gideon's and danny and frankie are like okay we had our adoption and we did gideon's so like so when you're gonna adopt the twins right <laughs> like, when we're, we're not gonna adopt the twins they were furious with us oh why don't gosh. you choose them Because they understood that adoption means choosing them. And they're like, No, you need to go promise to love them. You need to choose them. And they were so upset. And it was really awkward to be like, No, like we le don't have to do that in this case. Yeah. But like to see that they understood that this was their parents making the conscious decision. Um, I just thought that was really cool. And it made for a very awkward conversation (laughs) about why
0: we weren't choosing the twins. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, how beautiful they know how loved and how chosen they are. And um You know, just your openness to adoption, you and LJ both, because I know like this would not be the story if it wasn't for you guys being on the same page. And um, I think it's just, it's incredible. So I want to ask you some kind of different questions, change gears a little bit. All right. (laughs) Um, What is something that you are not very good at? Patience. Patience. (laughs) And I can tell you the number one thing.
1: Well, the, the first thing people say to me with six kids is, I don't know how you do it all. And to which I reply, lower your standards. Um, <laughs> but the second thing people to say to me is, you must be so patient. And I'm like, no, not that's why all. God gave me six kids. <laughs> like <laughs> That's how you grow patient. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm honestly, I'm terrible at it. Like um, my poor children. Uh, but I, I am not good at being patient, which is maybe why God made me eight, wait eight years for the kids that I do have. I'm not quite sure. Um, but yeah, patience is something I'm terrible at.
0: Well, hopefully, you know, it is a fruit of the spirit. So hopefully you're growing in that with increasing measure each year.
1: I must be, but it doesn't feel like it sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think I am. We'll see. Uh, what is one career that you wish you could have? Um, I actually, it's one I'm planning to have. Does Does
1: that count? Sure. Tell us about it. <laughs> so I am currently a tech executive um and I support a family of eight. So that that's like a stopping time soon. Yeah. Um but my hope is to retire early because Elgin and I would like to start a nonprofit organization for kids aging out of foster care.
0: Wow. Um because we know
1: we know that uh the the odds are not in their favor, we'll just say, after mm-hmm. they age out. So I'd like to start an organization a place where they can go and learn life skills and live during college because college, at least in Texas, is paid for by the state. Mm-hmm. Um, get, get their education up to where it needs to be to go to college and then uh, help them while, live there while they're in college and kind of tutor and help and kind of be the launch pad to living a, a normal life, so to speak, um, as opposed to ending up you know, homeless or incarcerated, which unfortunately is two of the very popular routes.
0: Yeah, I mean you mentioned the free college. I've heard over and over how unused that free college is. 3%. Three? Holy 3? Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And that's awesome that you guys, especially with your experience with homeschooling, like you you homeschooling teaches you to fill gaps a lot of times. Yeah. So, I think yeah. that's really an incredible skill set that you guys are building that will Prepare you in so many ways. Keep 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 me in your in your uh in your circle around that time. I want to know about this more. I want to know Will about do. this. I want to, <laughs> I want to help. I love that. That's awesome. I'm excited. I just have to figure out when. I figured the time where I have three kindergartners
1: is probably not it, but eventually probably not. Is that was that what the youngest are? all kindergarten? Uh, Emma's three, so she's not okay. a kindergarten yet, But the twins and Gideon are in the same age because when you homeschool, you can do that, and life yeah. is easier.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I have three kindergartners. Oh my gosh. That's, your life is so crazy but God yeah. is so cool well thank you so much for just taking the time and chatting with me tonight I know you have kids that are in bed and kids that are going to bed soon and there's just a million things you're juggling and I'm just I'm just so grateful for it well, thank you thank you for having me this was fun every time I hear the incredible story of how the Decker family was brought together I am reminded of God's faithfulness Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a rating and review. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. You can find me on faithfulpodcast.podbean.com as well as on Instagram at faithfulpodcast. Have a great week and remember to stay faithful, friends.